Greetings. This is Bruce Locke, Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat Conquest. When I'm not trying to take over Earthrealm or steal Kong Lao's soul, I listen to Justin Harvey on The Justin Harvey Show. As you should. Or your soul is mine. Welcome. It's time for the hottest internationally known podcast that is endorsed by some of the biggest names in the world of martial arts and entertainment. The Justin Harvey Show has interviewed some of the biggest stars from movies like Blood Fist, Bloodsport, Kickboxer, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This show provides some of the best sound quality and interviews on the web. So sit back and enjoy. You won't be disappointed. So without further ado, here is your 2015 Hall of Famer and host, Justin Harvey. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Harvey here of the Justin Harvey Show. I'm proud to announce that we are back for another season, and this is my first official interview of the year. And what better way to do so, because I've been searching for this man for many years, on social media, which he didn't have for a while, so I kept at it and found him on Twitter. Never thought I would speak to him, but uh, the famous Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat Conquest, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm sorry it took me so long to get on social media. You have my apologies. That That's, that's perfectly all right, so I hope you're ready to talk about um, Mortal Kombat Conquest and some other subjects so my pleasure let's talk about whatever you want Justin uh, okay let's let's start with how did you get involved with Mortal Kombat Conquest to begin with well you know uh, like any other project on uh, that an actor deals with you just read for a part and uh, if they offer it to you you negotiate the deal and then you decide to do it and uh, I actually read for the films and I read for um, I read for Shang Tsung and I read for Liu Kang, and I didn't get either. Wow. And the same, the same casting people came back to me when they were doing the TV series, and they asked me if I would read for Shang Tsung again. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I thought that was curious, but I, I said, sure, and I ended up getting the role. Wow. So um, did you originally want Shang Tsung for the series, or did you want someone else to begin with? Or Well, yeah. That's hard to say because I didn't really know the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, they were having trouble casting Kung Lao. And uh, I had played a lot of bad guys to that point. And so I thought, well, it'd be interesting to play a good guy because in real mm-hmm. life, people don't view me as a bad guy. So I went back to the casting people and I said, let me read for Kung Lao. And they laughed. They said, we just offered you Shang Tsung. And we had a hard time finding Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. No, we got you locked in for Shang Tsung. I said, no, let me read for Kung Lao. And I could not convince them because they were having trouble casting both roles. And I think they were just thankful that they got one of them done. Mm-hmm. So so they, they didn't want me to read for Kung Lao. But they ended up casting uh, Paolo Montalban, who was perfect for the role. A- absolutely. And then you had, you had Zero, and then you had Taja, which I thought that was the perfect mix because, you know, you couldn't have, you know, Sonya Blade. So they had Taja, who was a thief. And I just, I just thought that that was perfect. But I often would think about, you know, Sonya Blade when I would see her, obviously. 
Well, you know, you, you go from the movies to the TV show, mm -hmm. and you, you hopefully you bring some of your audience along, and they want to see a continuity of characters, and that's difficult. Yeah. Uh, when you go from show to show, actors just scatter and do other shows, and sometimes it's hard to get them. Like you were talking to Chris Casamassa, mm -hmm. who played Scorpion, and he wasn't available to do uh, one of the Mortal Kombat movies because he was on Batman. And it's just one of those luck of the draws that if you're not locked into a show, you may go do another show and you're not available. Yeah, yeah. So, um, out of if you could choose an episode, which do you think would be your favorite episode that you did for Mortal Kombat Conquest? Oh, that's simple. Uh, I don't know how many Mortal Kombat Conquest fans are out there, but the master, that episode was my favorite. Yeah. Because yeah. it went through the storyline of Shang Tsung as a young person and how he was when he was young. He wasn't evil to mm -hmm. begin with. And then, and then how he became who he is today. And so it was the whole genesis of how Shang Tsung became who he was. And that was, uh, that was a, so much fun to shoot. It was a lot of challenge, too, because he aged from a person who was younger than yeah. Shang Tsung yeah. with, with shorter hair and kind of naive and a generally a good person to discovering power and evil to becoming 500 years old. Yeah. And it was kind of difficult to shoot because we shot it all out of order. One of the first things we shot was when he was 500 years old. Wow. And then we jumped, yeah. we jumped to right when he was a young man, and I think he was killing his master, played by George Chung. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so we were all over the board as far as I kept asking the director, how old is he now? And I had all these notes, and I had this number system from 1 to 10, 1 being youngest, 10 being oldest. So I would put a number by each scene so I knew emotionally where he was at. You know, sometimes you put on the wardrobe and I don't remember uh, what I'm wearing or what I look like. So I have to look at my script and go, oh, he's a five. That means he's in the middle as far as age. Yeah. And so it was kind of a real challenge, a, lot, a whole lot of fun, too. Yeah. Did, did y'all have to shoot that at different times? Because I noticed that your hair was shorter in some of the, you know, episodes. So I, I didn't know if y'all, like, did it separately to make you look like your hair was shorter and... No, that was all that was all shot in a period of it takes about eight business days to shoot an episode. So that's mm -hmm. about two weeks. And my hair was a little longer than this. And then they put hair extensions in. Mm -hmm. But we shot for nine and a half months. And by the time the as as the weeks went on, they used less and less hair extensions and it became uh, less of the hair extensions and more of my real hair. Yeah, yeah. Now, I would like to move on to, to some of the problems that I did see with the series that I particularly didn't care for as a, as a fan, of course. Like, for example, um, one of my favorite episodes was the uh, Black Dragon, where you give Jola the power of the Black right. Dragon. And right. I would have liked to see a continuance to that episode because you actually, in, in the episode, I know everybody has seen it, in the episode, you give her the power and she abuses it, so you end up keeping her with you, and then it just kind of left hung up. There was no continuance to that episode. No, I'll agree with you there. Uh, one of the problems that we came up against in that series was almost all of the scripts 
were outlined before we even started the season. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, supposing you have a season and you have all 22 shows already outlined of this is what happens in this one and this is what happens in this one. Mm -hmm. So, if an episode has a great acceptance and it's very popular, it's difficult to say, oh, we should do more episodes on that mm -hmm. because they've already got all the shows slotted in. But by the same token, if they have a three episode arc and it kind of wasn't very good or it sucks, they're locked into doing those three episodes. Yeah. So it's sort of like the train's already left the track before we even started shooting the first episode. Oh, now there was, there, there was some leeway because they were, even though they were outlined, they were writing the episodes very close to when we were shooting them, mm -hmm. which, mm -hmm. which caused us some problems because we weren't getting scripts until shortly before we were shooting. So it was pretty hard to memorize lines when you didn't have a script. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I gotta say that I love the series and um, my brother actually, when he told me about the series long ago, he's like, it's actually better than the film. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I think each of them had their own merits, and yeah. and uh, we're just thankful that we had an audience that that appreciated what we were doing. Because you know, you do a show like this, you're going to get a lot of people that are very critical of it too. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we're just thankful people watched. Yeah. Now you may or may not know this, but I am dying to hear why. But there was supposed to have been a second season, but it never happened. Hey, can you maybe try to clear that up for me? Because that was one of my biggest disappointments, especially how they ended the show. It's okay. Um, I'm not really sure what's proper to say because I know a little bit and I mm -hmm. don't know a lot. Mm -hmm. I know what filtered down to me and I don't want to speak out of school and yeah. gossip. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I think po possibly and probably happened. Mm -hmm. And... Some of it may or may not be true, so that's my disclaimer before I tell you. Okay. Okay. First of all, we were all disappointed that we didn't get a, another season because we were tired as the number one new syndicated show of the year. Mm -hmm. So we were sure we had the numbers and the popularity. The other show that we were tied with was VIP with Pamela Anderson, and they went on to a very successful run. So we were wondering, well, why, why couldn't we? Here's what I think happened. We were made by a company called New Line Television. Mm -hmm. And New Line Television was bought by Warner Brothers. Okay? Uh -huh. So it's, it's called a subsidiary company. Yeah. Um, and I heard, I heard the Chris Casamassa uh, interview, and he spoke to the first residual check for all the actors and the writers and all that was about a million dollars. And Warner Brothers wanted New Line to pay the tab and New Line wanted Warner Brothers to pay the tab, but it's all the same company. So the question was who wanted it on their books or who didn't want it on their books. Yeah. So yeah. if New Line was bought by Warner Brothers, they're saying, well, you own us, you pay the tab. And Warner Brothers is saying, well, you're a subsidiary of us and it's your show, you pay the tab. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that tab was paid and I don't know who paid it. Um, mm -hmm. And we're still getting the residuals. So, you know, they're doing the right thing. And I also know that there was a lot of litigation between parties, and I'm not going to say which parties, but okay. if you look back through the media, Hollywood Reporter or Variety Magazine, mm -hmm. you'll find that there was litigation lawsuits between 
a lot of the parties involved in the Mortal Kombat franchise of who owned it, who was who in charge, who's running it. And that carried over to our television. So, mm -hmm. so with all the fighting and who's going to pay the tab, it kind of became one of those, well, we just don't want to do it. Yeah. Which broke our hearts because how many times do you do a TV show and you get the ratings and you mm -hmm. don't get picked up? So yeah. that, that's what I think happened. Well, that, that actually clears a lot of my, you know, you know, mysterious questions up about it because I've often wondered what had happened and I'm like, I really want a second season of this. This is really good. They've, they've got something going here. I mean, the storylines were great. I mean, everything was just put together so beautifully. And if I'm not mistaken, the guy that played Raiden also played uh, Shao Kahn as well. He did. That, that's the actor Jeff Meek, and he's a good friend of mine to this day. Wow. He just wow. directed me uh, in a movie. Uh, it's actually the sequel to Chariots of Fire. And I, was, uh, I did the narration for it, and he did the voice direction for me. And he got me the job. So Jeff and I are still friends. And just to go back to what you were just saying about the second season, you know, I'm still in touch with a good, good amount of the cast. And even though we shot that mm -hmm. 17, 17, 18 years later, what's so funny or crazy is that if we were to shoot today and all the actors came back, it would almost be like we didn't, nobody, nobody, age to the point that yeah. they don't look like the characters now. Everybody still looks the same. We could actually still do it. Yeah, that, that would be a good thing, or you could even reboot the show. You know, that that was going to be one of my, you know, points and stuff. If they ever rebooted the show, would you do Shang Song again? You know, fall Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, I, I really enjoyed playing Shang Song. He's, he was such a great character. But unfortunately, I'm just one of the actors and the mm -hmm. people that really pull the strings. That would be Warner Brothers, who owns it, or, or Larry Kasnoff, who, who was really the producer, the impetus behind the whole Mortal Kombat franchise. One of those guys would have to be the one you need to convince to get behind it. Well, I would definitely do my hardest because, like I said, it's, it's, one, of my favorite, um, it's one of my favorite shows because I've actually got two digital copies I got one that's on Amazon, and then I got a digital copy that's on my iTunes. So I've got it in two different, you know, I've bought it in two different places just just to have it, just to just to watch it. So. Well, I bought mine when it came out. Uh, was it a few months ago or la late last year? Or, mm -hmm. So I'm just like you. I ended up buying mine on uh, on Amazon, and and I haven't watched it. I just turned put it in to make sure that it played great and. And one day I'll sit down and I'll check it out again. I look forward to it. Yeah, have you, have you checked out uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy by chance? I saw a little bit of it, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, it's a very different take on Mortal Kombat as far as yeah. as far as a whole different slant to the approach from the movies and the TV show. Yeah. So, uh, but I have a series, just a couple of episodes to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I've watched it, but I have to say Conquest is by far my favorite, so. Thanks. I appreciate that. So, uh, so tell me, how in the world did you get a RoboCop 3? <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop 3 was actually towards the beginning of my career, and it was the first big project I'd ever done. Mm -hmm. And uh, same thing, just like I told you about how I got 
the job in Mortal Kombat. I just went in for an audition, and it was uh, it was before cell phones. Mm -hmm. So this is a good story. I was at the gym working out with a buddy of mine, and I checked in on my phone machine afterwards, and there's a phone call from my agent. He said, "Call us." So you know, I called him up on the payphone. I don't know if you guys uh, know what payphones are anymore. Oh, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I called my agent. And he said, hey, uh, we need you to get over and take a meeting for this film. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, I, I just got out of the gym. I'm all sweaty. Uh, what time do I need to be there? And they said, you need to go right now. And I said, I don't have any materials. There, are there scenes I need to work on? Or they said, no, just get over there. They want to see you. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was in a tank top and and it was uh, late summer, I think, and it was pretty warm. So I said, okay. So I drove over to West Los Angeles mm -hmm. and I walked into the office, uh, checked in. There's nobody there. And the casting director, Stephen Jacobs, came out and he shook my hand. He goes, hey, Bruce, thanks for coming over last minute. And he took a look at me, and he didn't even take my headshot. I go, well, hey, what are the scenes? And he goes, well, there's no real scenes. We just want to see you and talk yeah. with you. Yeah. And he goes, hey, would you take a ride with me uh, to the, the producer's building a couple blocks away? And, uh, and I thought, this is the strangest audition I've ever been on. So I said, sure. So we drove five minutes to uh, the producer's building, and I met Patrick Crowley, mm -hmm. who is a very famous producer. He did Brad Pitt's Legends of the Fall. Mm -hmm. He did. Um, uh, he did the. What's the series with Matt Damon? The, the movies he's doing now. Oh God. The movies. Mm -hmm. The the Born Identity movies. So Patrick Crowley is a, is a huge producer. So mm -hmm. I met Patrick Crowley, the producer. He looks at me, shakes my hand, he goes, "I want you to meet the director." And so Fred Decker, the director, comes out, and he's known for Monster Squad, and he was a creative producer on Star Trek uh, Voyage um, Enterprise, I think. Mm -hmm. And he's also doing the latest uh, reboot of the Predator movie. So Fred comes walking out of the office and he shakes my hand. And he goes, so we're doing this uh, Robocop 3 and we want you to play the villain. Yeah. And I said, well, what's, what's the villain? And he said, well, he's this badass ninja that mm -hmm. takes down Robocop. And I go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're saying a guy can take down a Robocop? Because, well, you don't understand. He turns out to be a cyborg. Uh -huh. And so he's, like, really strong, and he could do extraordinary things. So I said, well, tell me more. So we sat down, we talked about it. And he goes, Fred Decker says to me, well, what do you think? And I said, well, what do you need from me to decide whether you want me for the role? And he said, well, I've already decided. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I'd like you to play the role. And he goes, I want you to take a look at Robocop 1 and 2. And he gave me the tapes and he goes, and we'll talk. So I got home and there was a message on my machine from my agent. And they said, they want you for Robocop 3. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, hang on a sec. I, I don't even know if I can do this. Uh, I don't know if the audience is going to believe that, that I could take on Robocop because it, let me let me look at the tapes. So I looked at the tapes, then I called my agent the next morning and I said, you know, I have some serious reservations on whether I can take down that robot. And so I talked with the director and he said, well, this is what we got planned. Mm -hmm. And I took the role and it was the role of a lifetime. It was so much fun to shoot. I, I just, wow. uh, I had such a great time. And, and we're actually having a bit of a resurgence because over the past few months, uh, I was contacted by the company that's re-releasing the Blu-ray, mm -hmm. and they wanted to do an extra section 
And so we did all these interviews for the DVD Blu-ray extras and they came to me and we rehashed a whole bunch of great stories and I got to run into old friends. Yeah. And right after that, I was contacted by this group that's doing the Robocop documentary, The Making of Robocop. Wow. So I encouraged the audience to go out and check that out. It's going to be The Making of Robocop 1, 2, and 3. And so I did an interview for that, and that was a hoot to run into old friends and oh, to rehash all that. Oh, I bet. I got, I got to check that out. I, I really do. And uh, I, was, I was going to say, Bruce, I've not seen everything that you've been in, i got to be honest, but I'm... I'm definitely researching you and going to be watching everything that you do from now on. You're, you're a wonderful actor. Well, thank you. Well, I know that I know that this is going to be on tape and that this may show next week, next month, or next year. Mm -hmm. But for those of you that are watching this, uh, if you get this out in a timely manner, or especially for you, Justin, I'm going to guest star on NCIS next Tuesday. So that would be February 21st at 8 o'clock. So if you're up, Watch that, and you'll see me get to play another bad guy. I will make sure and put that on the DVR because it's it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, you know I was I was telling my mom about how I was going to interview Shane Song from Mortal Kombat Conquest, and that's really not her thing. And I'm like, you know, research Bruce Locke, and she's like, I'm not sure if I've seen him in anything. And then she, uh, I guess she had seen uh, NCIS, and she's like. I believe I've seen him on that before. Well, I've already was on three episodes very briefly, setting up this last episode. Mm -hmm. And then I, I did NCIS LA a couple of years ago, too. So, um, yeah, I've done a lot of things other than what we've talked about, but most people know me from Mortal Kombat and Robocop, which is fine. Those were great franchises. Yeah, here, here's a fun idea. Robocop meets Shang Tsung. <laughs> I'd, I might have to pull a little magic on him. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would be that would be something. And and I, I'm glad that you interacted with my tweet yesterday because I thought it was funny how you said you know RoboCop didn't beat me, but a little girl did. So. Well, what's funny is yeah. uh, that little girl grew up to be a wonderful young woman who's <laughs> actually a mom right now and. And when I knew her, I think she was 10, and now she's, gosh, she must be in her 30s. And uh, Remy Ryan, I'll put a shout out to her. Wonderful actress and even more wonderful person. Uh, I have no doubt, Bruce, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, one of my favorite series that I, I noticed that you were in. I've not seen the episode in a long time, but uh, talk a little bit about being in Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, Walker. Boy, that, that was a great, great show, too. We had lots of fun. Now, I actually worked on the series. I guest starred on the series. And then the last Walker they did was a reunion movie for CBS. And I played a different role. I played the bad guy in the Walker reunion movie, which, unfortunately, they haven't released on DVD or any of the secondary markets. So you can't really find it. There's some foreign copies in other regions, but it was called Walker Trial by Fire. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I had a great time working on that. Chuck Norris, one of my heroes, of course, because of the Bruce Lee movies. Um, I'm a huge fan of Chuck Norris. So when I mm -hmm. got the call to do the series and I got to play the bad guy, it was the most fun I had ever had. I went down to Dallas, 
And a lot of the stuntmen uh, I knew already. Uh, one of the main stunt guys was from Mortal Kombat, and he was one of our teachers uh, for Mortal Kombat. His name is J.J. Perry. And if you look him up, champion fighter, uh, worked a ton of shows. So he was the first one to welcome me to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then as we broke down the script, it was kind of like a dream role for any guy because they said, okay, Bruce, you're playing the main bad guy. You're trying to take over Dallas. Yeah. I'm like, perfect, perfect. That's what I'm made for. So he said, okay, so the first order of business is you got to pick out your car. And I go, what do you mean? They go, well, we rented a bunch of hot cars and we want you to pick out the one you want. Mm -hmm. So they had a souped-up Porsche Carrera they had a muscle car, a couple of muscle car uh, U.S. cars, and then they had a Ferrari and another, another like a Lamborghini or something. And they said, "I'll take the Ferrari." And they go, "Oh, that's perfect. Okay, that's your car." And they said, "Okay, now you got to pick out your guns." So I said, "You're kidding me." So we went to the armor, and he had this table full of guns. And he goes, "Okay, so you've got your machine gun. You got to pick out, and then you got your handgun that you're going to be carrying." Yeah. So you get, you get first picks. I said, okay, that one looks badass, and that one looks badass. I go, I, I love Desert Eagles. He goes, whoa, whoa, no. Think about this, though. If you have that Desert Eagle, and I don't know if your fans know, Desert Eagle's a huge sidearm. Mm. He goes, you're going to have to be doing all your fighting and all the rolling and all that with the Desert Eagle in your pocket, and that thing's going to hurt like hell. And I said, all right, what do you recommend? He goes, how about this one? I don't even remember what he told me, but I said, I'll take that one because that's easier to fight with. So I said, that's perfect. So we got the guns out of the way. We got the cars out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then the, the guy that was in charge of the, of the Ferrari goes, hey, Bruce, so we got to check you out on the Ferrari just to make sure that, you know, everything's cool and you can yeah. drive a clutch. Because have you ever driven something like this? And I kind of looked down. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, okay, well, we got about a half hour. Mm -hmm. Well, I drove the crap out of that Ferrari for about a half hour, and I took off most of the mileage on those tires. <laughs> wow. I had to, we went all over Dallas in 20 minutes. Wow, and, that's uh, cool. so We came back driving like a little old lady to the set, and the director walks out and he goes, how did Bruce do? He goes, well, as long as we got a budget to replace those tires and brakes, he did just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the tires were smoking. That's great. So then... So then as we get on to the episode, there's a part where I'm overseeing my guys attack the Walker team, but mm -hmm. I'm in a helicopter. Wow. Like, Bruce, are you okay with flying in a helicopter? I went, hell yeah, let's do it. So we had a stunt pilot and we had a special permission from the, I think it was a national transportation safety, you know, that we could fly below the, they have a ceiling that you cannot fly, a floor that you cannot fly below. Yeah. But we had a special permission to, to fly low and buzz houses. And so in between takes, while they're reloading the cameras and stuff, the stunt pilot would, would do tricks for us. And, and it was just the most amazing fun. It was, it was a roller coaster in the sky. Wow. Then it, it gets better. It gets better. After that, they, we've got a scene where I roll out of my, my, um, the garage in my Ferrari and the, and the Walker team comes up with the, SWAT car, a big SWAT truck, and I'm not going to take it. So I pull out a rocket launcher, a grenade launcher from my uh, Ferrari, and I fire it and blow up the SWAT truck. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm going to get to do that. So wow. it, was really, it was really a dream job. 
And then a few years later, they invited me back to do the reunion movie, and it was no less fun. Great time. And I, I also got to uh, got to talk with Chuck Norris for a little bit. You know, we would sit down in between takes and have a coffee, and we'd talk yeah. about Bruce Lee, and we'd talk about fighting, and we'd talk about careers and acting and, and family. And it was just one of those things that as a fan of movies and martial arts, mm -hmm. to be able to sit there with the great Chuck Norris and talk with him one-on-one, -on -one, as well as work with him. I mean, working with him was great, too. Yeah. But to have that personal one-on-one -on -one time, what what a thrill. Oh, oh, I can relate, because even though I don't compete, Bruce, I've met some pretty amazing actors and celebrities, you know, doing my podcast. You know, I've met so many grandmasters and shifus and hanshis. It's been, it's been wonderful. For example, I've met, you know, Superfoot Bill Wallace. I've, right. had, I've had almost the entire cast of Kickboxer on my show. I mean, I've had, I've had some great martial artists on my show, and I'm just, I'm very grateful to, to be a part of their life. Oh yeah, and I've got to meet a lot of those people too, and, uh, and it's really a thrill to meet people who have achieved that much in the martial arts. Yeah. I guess that's why Shang Tsung kind of appeals to me because. Even though I'm in a wheelchair, I could still have the powers of the sorcerer and still be able to take souls and, and kick oh, ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you've got the goatee, so yeah. as long as you steal a soul, you'll be forever young. Yeah. So uh, do you play video games at all, Bruce? Or Okay, Justin. I have to tell you this. I'm not a gamer. And uh, I actually have a, a pretty good story for the fans about uh, Mortal Kombat, the game. So my good buddy, Joe Kim, owned a video game store, and he came down to Los Angeles to go to the E3 um, convention. And for the, most of you probably know the E3 is the big convention for all the video games. So he was staying at my house, so he said, why don't you come with me? So I said, sure. You know, not my world at all, but sure. So we're walking through it, and he's doing his business, and I'm kind of just... I'm the sidekick, right? Mm -hmm. And when you know it, uh, we run across the Midway booth. And most of you probably know Midway is the creator of the Mortal Kombat yeah. games. Yes. And I kind of looked at it, and it was a huge booth, and they had all these great props, and, and there's Shang Tsung, bigger than life, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, good golly, this, was, this is amazing. And Will Wheaton... Do you know who Will Wheaton is? Will Crusher from the Star Trek series? Yeah, yeah. Had a television show about video games. And he was going around doing interviews, and he was covering E3. Well, my mm -hmm. friend Joe Kim went up to him, and he introduced himself. He said, I'm a big fan of yours. And he said, I don't know if you know it, but there's Shang Tsung standing right there. And Will made a beeline over to me with his camera crew. And he said, Bruce Locke. And I said, oh, my God, it's Will Crusher. Will Wheaton, nice to meet you. Wow. And so we started talking, and he's such a gentleman. He goes, hey, so I've got this TV show. And he told me it was about gamers. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. He goes, no, you didn't understand. I want you to be on it. I got my camera crew right here. I said, well, sure, but I'm not really a gamer. And he goes, well, you can just talk about Mortal Kombat. And he goes, would you mind playing the Mortal Kombat game since we're at the Midway booth? And I'm like, oh, crap, this is not good. Because <laughs> I, know, I know generally kind of how to play. Yeah. I said, Will, I said, Will, this is not good because I don't know anything. He goes, 
don't worry, we got somebody to teach you. And he turns around and there's this, I don't know, he must have been a 14-year-old kid. He goes, well, I'll play you, Mr. Locke. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, boy, this sounds like a setup. So they followed us over. We picked out one of the Mortal Kombat games. Mm -hmm. And we picked out our characters. Obviously, I'm going to be Shang Tsung. And I don't remember who the kid took, but I don't think I ever scored a point on him. And Will told me it was probably one of the funniest things he's ever seen on his show. Wow. So, so as a gamer, I suck. Well, that, that's, that's okay. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's, that's, a funny, that's a funny story. Can I, can I share a funny story with you real quick? Absolutely. Tell me. Okay. Um, I actually interviewed Ernie Reyes Jr. and Sr. Well, one night, it was like 5 o'clock in the morning, my time. And I get this call, and it's Ernie Reyes Jr. So I'm like, hello, hello. No answer, so I call him back. I'm like freaking out, because, you know, it's 5 o'clock, my time. I'm like, Ernie, is your dad okay? Are you okay? He's like, is this Justin? And I said, it sure is. He says, oh man, I'm sorry I butt-dialed you. Well, the next morning, uh, I explained to my mom what had happened. Without, without her skipping a beat, she says, I've never known somebody to be butt-dialed by a Ninja Turtle before. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I, That's I, pretty good. I've had some fun experiences. So. Good. Good. So did, did you ever watch the film Bloodsport by chance? Were you a fan of that film? or Van Damme's Bloodsport? Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge Van Damme fan. As a matter of fact, I saw you did uh, an interview with uh, Sheldon Ledich. Yes. And uh, I happen to know Sheldon, and he's told me some great stories about Van Damme. I think probably some of the stories he's told you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I actually know Frank, me and Frank actually sit down and watch Bloodsport together, actually, so. No, he's pretty, he's a legend in his own right. Yeah, yeah. Heck, that would be, that would be a match for the making, Frank Dukes versus Shang Tsung. I would definitely have to use magic powers, uh, magical powers on him. Yeah, 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 He's way too formidable as a real fighter, so I'd have to, I'd have to do some of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I just wanted to say to you, thank you for checking out my podcast. I really didn't expect you to. I was, like, really surprised when you did because you're like, I really love the Chris Casamassa interview. I, I was surprised that you checked out my podcast. Oh, no, my pleasure. I just wanted to see, you know, I get a lot of requests to do a lot of uh, these types of things. And I just want to see who, you know, who it is that is asking me to do an interview. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's going to be fun. Because there's a lot of people out there that kind of want to do an ambush interview. And I really want to do interviews and talk with people that are real fans. And, and it's about the enjoyment and the fun of what we're doing and not about picking things apart and being, just being mean people. And yeah. I saw that your interviews were exactly what I want to do and what I want to talk about. So it's really an honor to talk with you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that because, you know, the media out there wants to bash and, and all this. That's not what I'm about because I don't care if you have, I don't care if you have a beef with one of the martial artists that I've had on the show 
But once you're on my show, all that stuff disappears so that that particular person can tell their story before these stories, like yours, gets lost. Yeah, and thank you for asking. And and I'm lucky that I don't have a beef with any of the martial artists yeah. out there. I'm just a fan of all those guys. Even TJ Storm, I saw you interviewed him. I yeah. didn't get a chance to... Uh, hear that interview, but I've known TJ for a number of years too. So wow. uh, I see that I see that you've interviewed a number of people that I actually know and have worked with. And so it made me feel comfortable to say, sure, I want to be a part of that crowd too. Well, I, I, I am so glad because I was actually really worried that you weren't going to because where you didn't personally know me. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to give it a shot, tell him a little bit about my story and, and maybe he'll say yes. And then you tweeted me back, and it was on. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad you did, because a lot of people are afraid to reach out when you play such mean characters. They think that you might be kind of like that and have a little attitude in real life. Yeah. And, I mean, it makes me a little harder to get in touch with because people are afraid to talk to me. But it also tells me that's an homage to my work, that I, really, I guess they really believe that I was kind of a mean guy. Yeah. Now, now, what what I have learned, not not in all cases, but usually the bad guys are the nicest guys, and then like some of the good guys, you find out privately that they're not so good. Well, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. <laughs> You're right. So you kind of, I mean, for you as an interviewer and me as an actor, we kind of have to be like Switzerland and just go with the flow and take it with a grain of salt and if somebody's mean just it's okay move on yeah. because the bottom line is we're blessed to do what we do for you to reach out mm -hmm. and meet all these people you're fans of and for me to actually be in this business because in reality I'm like you guys I'm just a fan who always wanted to grow up and and play army and play kung fu fighting and and do all these action shows and so it's like a dream job for a guy and so if you meet somebody that's mean you just let them go by and say man I'm doing what I want to do yeah yeah I because I've had people tell me because I'm disabled and in a wheelchair I would never do radio so I started my own podcast I mean I I know exactly what you're talking about but with me I'm like I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make it big, whether it takes 20 years from now. So you'll do it. I mean, I looked at how many followers you have, and it's, it's like you got thousands of people following you. Yeah. And I, I got on social media a few months ago, and I, I don't know, I have a hard time posting stuff every day to make it interesting, and then I forget about it. And, you know, in reality, I kind of wanted to be an actor and just do my job and fly under the radar. Yeah. And I've been pushed so much that, Bruce, you need to get on social media. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a chore to, to keep posting things. But yeah. I'm going to try to be better at it and build my followership and all that. But yeah, it, it's I, a lot of work. I, I think it's not going to take you very long, Bruce. I honestly don't think it's going to take you that long. So. Thanks, Justin. So is there, is there anything else that you want to touch on right now? No. Uh, I just thank you for having me on your show. And if you ever want to ask me anything else, mm -hmm. then feel free to contact me. And uh, it was a pleasure. And I, I do consider you a friend, Bruce. And uh, 
Thank I do you, have Justin. To, I do hope to get to meet you and uh, shake your hand someday. Hopefully we'll run into each other at one of the conventions or even yeah, martial okay. arts or, or show business or Comic-Con or something. You know, one of those great, great venues we'll get to run into each other. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully you won't steal my soul in the process. <laughs> <laughs> you got way too much to give the world to steal your soul, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Because with the series, I used to make up my own storylines to where I would fit in with the Shang Tsung, like the Shang Tsung um, character. Like, I would be your student and you would teach me sorcery and stuff. <laughs> you want to be one of the bad guys. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's, what I, that, that's what I love about the fans of yeah. Mortal Kombat is, is they really embrace the storylines and the characters mm -hmm. and you know, what they all did. And, and the first time I went to Comic-Con, I got a sense of that. And I had a great appreciation of what it is to be a fan mm -hmm. of Mortal Kombat. So thanks for watching, guys. Yeah, because I, I think, I don't think that uh, Shao Kahn could have taken both of us. I think we could have destroyed him together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I played a lot of golf and tennis when we shot the show in Florida with Shao Kahn. And... Uh -oh. uh, we, we, were, we smoked way too many cigars and shared too many laughs to ever get into a fight. But, but uh, <laughs> he was great, though. Honestly, he was awesome. And, and like you, I wish it had gone on several years. It was a lot of fun to shoot. Because to play two people, that's big stuff. I mean, honestly, to play two characters. Oh, yeah. And, and for a long time, they never released that it was the same actor playing Raiden and Shao Kahn. And mm -hmm. it was a pretty big deal when the audience found out that it was one actor. They all wanted to know who it was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Jeff Meek is such a good actor that uh, he's a chameleon. And I don't know if you know that, but he's had his own series, uh, a few series, before he did Mortal Kombat. Um, he had a series on CBS that he was the star of called The Raiden. Wow. And, I, I, I and so that. check that out online, The Raiden. That was Jeff Meek. And uh, he had a series before that that was set in Europe called The Exile, which was kind of a spy show. So Jeff is not, is, was already a veteran of the action martial arts yeah. and an yeah. unbelievable actor. Yeah, definitely. And, and please tell him that I'm a fan and uh, I'm definitely going to be trying to search for him on social media as well because my goal, Bruce, is to get as many interviews about Mortal Kombat Conquest to try to get you guys back together to tell your stories. Because I don't okay. want stories to get lost. Alright, well, uh, you reach out to most of the cast and I imagine they're going to be open to do an interview. Yeah, yeah. I think the hardest one to get is going to be uh, Daniel Bernhardt. Yeah, Daniel I hadn't really heard from since we did the show. Uh... I know he's been working and he's out there somewhere. Yeah. But I have, I have kept in touch with and seen Chris Casamassa, J.J. Perry, mm -hmm. um, Jeff Meek, Paula Montalban, Tracy Douglas, um, uh, a few other people. Some of, some of the fighters mm -hmm. I, I've run into. And uh, Marcus, mm -hmm. sorry, Marcus and Young, who did some of the fighting for me. Uh, I've worked with him a few times since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And Tracy Douglas, she did wonderful for her parts, but I still say you should have took her soul when you had the chance. <laughs> if I did that, then she wouldn't be able to continue on as a series regular. So it kind of had to. She kind of had to have her own power as well to fight me. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no place for her character to go. And then when they did all the Korea uh, mm -hmm. episode, that gave her even more power to take me down and Paolo, or the yeah. Paolo, uh, yeah. from Wow. So she she had to have power. Otherwise, her character wasn't really worth having on the show. Yeah, that, that that's true. And and you've had some funny moments because she she, she asked you, for example, she asked you. Will you take me with you? What will that depend on? And you're like, my mood. And I just laughed <laughs> so hard. <laughs> oh, we had some great moments on that show. Uh, we had some great laughs, too, in between shooting where it was so serious and, and somebody would say something and we'd all just crack up. And I remember there was this, we were in the cobalt mines and there was this huge scene with uh, Paolo and Cristana Mm -hmm. and Tracy Douglas and Daniel Bernhardt and then there were some guest actors all around and we were kind of all in a, a big semicircle and and there was two factions we were facing off we we're going to go at it and everybody had a little piece of dialogue and I only had one line and it was towards the end of this whole exchange and I was listening to everybody and I was watching and I was trying to act mean and all of a sudden it got real quiet and everybody turned and looked at me at the same time and one of them blurted out, you know, it's your line, Bruce. And I'm like, wow, oh, crap. And the director goes, okay, we need, to cut the, we need to cut the camera and probably do this one more time. Yeah. I only had one line and I screwed up the whole scene. I would love to see like a blooper reel of, of sections of the series just to see who exactly messed up and what they messed up. Because I'm sure... Oh, we had, we had some great bloopers. Um, one time we were out in the woods... And I came up on, I think, Paolo's character, Kung Lao, and I had this horse, or maybe I was meeting um, Tracy Douglas's character. And the, the idea was, as we get to the spot, mm -hmm. you know, my, my trusty steed, I slap the horse on the ass, and the horse takes off into the woods. And I, we thought, we thought that would be such a great opening for the scene. So I come up with the horse, yeah. you know, yeah. and I... I, I kind of stroked the mane, like, yeah, this, I'm in charge of all animals, too. Right? And I kind of look around like this bad, bad dude, and then I slap the horse on the butt, and he doesn't do anything. Wow. <laughs> so the director goes, well, oh, try it again. And I'm slapping him harder. So I slapped him harder. I hurt my hand a little, and the horse just kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. So I went, okay, let's do this a third time. So this time I hit him as hard as I could, and the horse barely looked at me like, really? And so the director stopped, and he goes, well, let's figure something else out. How about this? The horse isn't going to go anywhere, so why don't we just start the scene? Yeah, yeah. So I looked at the horse, and I said, man, you're really not helping me out, are you? And the horse kind of looked at me. And, and i got to say, Bruce, the guy that played Juan Chi, he did wonderful, I thought. I thought y'all two had chemistry together when y'all had the Great actor. That was, that was Adoni Marapas, mm -hmm. and he... Ashley is a great actor. He was in uh, Hidalgo. And I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. That was a great movie with Viggo Mortensen. Mm -hmm. And he played one of the adversaries during the horse race in Hidalgo. Very powerful presence. Great actor.
-hmm. So if you had to choose, and this doesn't necessarily mean that you're starring in it, but what is your favorite martial arts film, Bruce? I've always wondered that. My martial arts what? Your favorite martial arts film. I mean... Oh, that's simple. It's Enter the Dragon. I, I should have guessed that, Bruce Lee. I just actually, I actually just watched that uh, last week. Wow. Um, uh, I, I literally was watching it. I was in a hospital. And so I was watching it with the sound off. And I was visiting someone. And I was doing all the dialogue without the sound on. And I think the people were kind of looking at me like, this guy's seen this movie a few too many times. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I could do that with Bloodsport and Kickboxer because I've, I've seen those films so many times, but to actually know the people that are in the film kind of gives me a, a new feeling. And it's a great feeling to be able to watch these films and say, I know that guy, I know that guy, he's a nice guy, he's a great guy. It's, it's just amazing. It just it opens up a whole well, Unfortunately, from End of the Dragon, I don't think I've met any of the actors except the actor who played O'Hara. Is it Bob Wall? Bob Thunderfoot Wall? Mm -hmm. um, I got to meet him at the very first Bruce Lee convention. And, wow. uh, and uh, actually, I think it might have been the only one that the Bruce Lee family put their name behind. And I made a beeline to his booth and, and shook his hand. And he, like you said, the bad guys are the sweetest. He was the nicest man in the world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's the only yeah. one I got to meet from that cast. Yeah. Have, have you ever thought about maybe trying to work on um, Law and Order SVU? Oh, I'd love to work on that show. Um, I've never had a meeting for that show. I'd probably be the... <laughs> One of the bad guys, and we dun dun dun, and then you'd see me in the interview room with my hands cuffed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up, Bruce. I mean, have you had a good time today? I hope so. Had a great time. Had a great time. Thanks for having me on your show, and you guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, absolutely. Do you, Do you want to share anything else before I uh, let you go? I just want to say one last thing to everyone. Keep watching. Or your sore is mine. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Be well. I'll, I'll check out some more of your interviews just because I'm a fan as well. And, really? And yeah. Holy yeah. crap. I mean, I, a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these guys you interviewed, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I know him. Well, I worked with him, and I want to hear. I never got to hear the whole Sheldon Ledditch interview, so I want to hear that. Hi, this is Chris Casamassa, and I play Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat films and Mortal Kombat Conquest TV show. You are listening to Justin Harvey on The Justin Harvey Show. Flawless victory. Get over here! <laughs>